0: It was just such an, a crazy thing to see Like this is real organized crime happening in front of all of us, right on the, right on the feeder 59.
1: Hey, welcome to the Elijah Rising podcast where we discuss the myths, misconceptions, and most asked questions about sex trafficking. And today uh, I'm so honored to be joined on the podcast by Sam Hernandez, our Hello. mobilization director. Sam and I work closely together on all sorts of things speaking engagements and uh, but Sam's one of our most brilliant creative minds here at, Thank you. at Elijah Rising and one of our first employees. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about that here in a second. Fun thing
0: is, I actually begged uh, <laughs> Adam and Micah for a job when I was like 21, 22, fresh out of college. I have no memory of it, but apparently I walked up to Adam and. I have memories. And you, what did I say? I said, I said,
1: I want to work for Elijah Rising. Here's, or, here's my plan.
0: Here's my name. My name is Sam Hernandez and I want to end sex trafficking. You well, guys, my name was Sam Smith then. That's true. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um
1: so on today's <laughs> on today's episode of the podcast this is the second part in a series where we're asking the question, how does sex trafficking work? Uh, And so on the previous episode, we discussed how it works specifically in the cantina model, but today Mm -hmm, we're going to talk about how it works in the brothel model, um, specifically illicit massage businesses. And so the reason why Sam is on the podcast to discuss this today is because this is really how Sam got into the work.
0: Yeah. It's kind of my origin story of how I got into here and then why I ended up begging Elijah rising for a job.
1: Yeah, that's right. So why don't we just dive Dive in. Sam, how did you start doing brothel intervention? What did that look like?
0: Absolutely. So, I like probably all of you sitting at home um, listening to this. I found out about sex trafficking, and the first response is outrage. And this, in re- some of us, this responsibility like, I have to do something. Yeah, I got
1: to do it. Yeah. Um,
0: I thought that it was happening in um, other countries, uh, specifically Southeast Asia. And, um, you know, I thought maybe I'm never going to be able to do anything. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not. Um, you know, all these things that I thought was like a prerequisite to really address this issue. Then a friend went on a van tour. So I actually didn't go on a van tour. My first van tour was helping lead one, um, where I like took, I took over while, um, Beth was leading a tour and I was like, this is the thing I know this, you know, myself just being myself. Um, and uh, my friend took a van tour. Um, her name's Jen, Jen Fox. She's amazing. She has also amazing, uh, nail polish company called death Valley nails. She's a great person. Um, so she, uh, told me about these brothels. She says, they exist here. I mm-hmm. saw them. Oh my gosh, do you want to go? And so it started out as like a team of 15 people who were like, yeah, let's get together and do outreach. And it ended up just being me and Jen. And every single week, about two to three times a week, me and her would go to Angela Day Spa, formerly known as 5818 Southwest Freeway, our original headquarters. That's right. um, and then Paradise Spa. And It was crazy because you have this idea that it's going to be this closed off, need a password, behind closed doors situation. It wasn't. I walked up. I remember the first day I went, I literally prayed that the door would be locked because I was so afraid. Nervous about going in. I was so afraid. I was so scared, but I had people behind me. So I was like, I have to show off that I'm like tough, I'm like strong. And, you you know. So the door opens and I'm like, crap, I have to actually go inside. But you walk inside and I saw this. um, So specifically, Paradise Spa was. Was something is was a place that was really close to my heart that and Angela spa. Um, I walk in, it's this like circular, like waiting room um, with an ATM, and they had some soft music and a couch and a tiny window. Um, cameras outside, side, they know everybody who's walking in. They saw us walking in, they see two girls, 20 um, year old girls walking in, and they're not. Interested. We're not their clientele. Not
1: the average clientele. No. Right. Um,
0: so they came out, and well, no, no, they didn't come out. We kept going. We would bring everything. We'd bring cookies. We'd bring coffee. We found out that they really enjoyed this. This specific specific group of um, women really enjoyed black coffee. So we'd bring carafes of coffee, and we'd sit down and just wait for them to come out and have coffee with us. And it was very interesting because we went in the middle of the day, in the afternoon. There weren't any. There weren't a lot of customers there. If there were customers, we left them alone, or we would wait till the customers would leave because they kind of drive up, go inside the waiting room, right. pick out which woman they want, go in the back, do that, come out and leave. Usually only like took 15, 30 minutes. Mm. Um, and over time, I learned that they were t- from Thailand, so I learned the most embarrassing small vocabulary of Thai, and they would uh. laugh at me when I go Sawati dum Bai, and Sawati. um, sabai dimai." If there's anyone who speaks Thai out there, I'm so sorry,
1: <laughs> <laughs> but
0: they would laugh, and it was this like little connection. Yeah. And um, eventually, we got to the point where we would just sit and pray, wow. and I would just begged the Holy Spirit, I would say, God, please just give me one word in English that they understand. And I'll never forget multiple times holding the hands of a woman in that place specifically and going, God, um, what's the word for this person? And every time, um, this one woman, I remember I said, I saw a baby and I said, the Lord, I said, I would point up and I'd say, God sees you like a child, like a baby. And she just began to weep. And then they would go bring out the women who are new mm. or maybe brought from a different place. And they would say, Hey, and I said like, hi, I'm like a, I'm like a person, like a spiritual person. And I like pray for you. I acted like a fortune. I saw it in a movie once where, yeah, I was like, I'm just praying to Jesus. Yeah. Um, and the next person I heard the word diamond and I said, you know, God sees you like a diamond, like a precious jewel. And she would again, weep. So they began to bring us the women and say, and tell them in tie, like, close your eyes. She's going to hold your hands. Wow. And, and of course it was this confusing thing. Cause I'm like, wait, I want to help you get out. Yeah. And, but it. I didn't know how to do that. so But it was these really special moments of just connection, giving them a moment to feel human, to feel seen. Yeah. Um, and that's when I started going to Angela Day Spa as well. Mm. Um, which,
1: just to be clear... Which is a whole web of things. But those are <laughs> just like one block away from each other. Oh,
0: yeah, other. one block away. There was like five places on one block, which was right. the original Elijah Rising Van Tour, if right. you hadn't been on one. It was a very special era of the beginnings of yeah, Elijah I Rising. Yeah, I think there were
1: 10 um, brothels, Asian massage brothels in a three block radius.
0: Yes. And Angela day spa was one of them. And that's when I started getting involved with Elijah rising because Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm doing this outreach and I realized how accessible it was specifically to the church. And I was like, churches could literally be here every single day. And, and by the way, I met these women and I said, do you know who Jesus is? And they didn't know who Jesus was. They'd never seen a Bible. we have unreached people groups in the midst, which, um, was my secondary concern. My first concern was they're trafficked and they desperately need help. Sure. Um, And so I started going to Angela Day Spa. Then I connected with Elijah Rising, found out that they had been talking about the landowner um, for a long time, saying kind of letting people know that he was owning this land, that he was not, he was leasing to people who were using it for sex trafficking, and then...
1: Knowingly, knowingly leasing it to a business that was trafficking individuals. That's, in those days, I was really involved uh, in that process, and we would go in there constantly, um, and one of the things we used to do was write letters to city council uh, and to other elected officials and people who could make decisions, um, and we targeted that area specifically, uh, though, I mean, paradise was one of them, Jen's 58, 18, you know, all, all those different locations. And we came, we met someone who knew the landlord of fifty-eight, eighteen Southwest freeway. And so we figured out who that person was. And then we started sin. I mean, we contacted and said, Hey, please stop. Do you know what's happening inside of your business? Um, and he retaliated against us. Or yes. at least he threatened to retaliate against us. No,
0: he retaliated. He well, had a he lawsuit.
1: Yeah, yeah, I guess he did file a lawsuit.
0: <laughs> Which, by the way, I hope that you know, as a 22-year-old who had just joined your staff, I was so disappointed <laughs> that my name was not on the lawsuit. And I felt like less of a justice warrior. And that shows yeah. how immature and how little life I've lived.
1: Well... <laughs> As a twenty-something-year-old, I was scared out of my you a, mind. You had
0: a wife and a child. Yeah, it right, was a big. It was right. a different situation. Yeah,
1: but you know what? The Lord really prevailed in that situation, and he he took he stopped the lawsuit mm-hmm. uh, because he we, was- he admitted it that he was knowingly allowing a brothel to operate on his property uh, we presented him with the evidence and um, he was caught in a lie he was caught in a lie and then so he stopped the lawsuit and then what did he do Sam you tell the rest of the story well then he' <laughs> shut
0: down the operation which um, we were um, specifically Jen but myself were also we were already in kind of close connection with the women that were working at this right
1: because of the relationship building that you guys have been doing for a while
0: so Jen gets a t- text hey this place is getting shut down by our landlord mm-hmm. we're going to be at this bar tonight if you want to come spend time with us not suggesting that this is what any of you do this um, is not what we 100%. do now 100 <laughs> this is not what we do now i only laugh because it was not wise but i am grateful for the experience so yeah. we get this text message we go out to sherlock's pub on highway Right by Highway 8 and Westheimer. Yeah. On Westheimer by Beltway 8. Yeah,
1: Beltway 8.
0: Where normal people go. And um, this man was with this this group of six Thai women. And they were at a bar. And they were just hanging out at the bar. He was buying them drinks. And, yeah. and he was... You know when you look at someone and you just can feel like something is not... Right. This man, I could tell that he was just not a great person, not a trustworthy person, and he was very, very weary of why we were there. And there was also a 40-somethings Caucasian man with one of the women who was being trafficked on his lap, and he had insisted or or communicated that he left his wife and family in a different state to come be with this woman, Mm -hmm. be a client of this person, um, this trafficked woman. And it was just a whole interest. So we were able to spend time and see kind of the way that they operated as a family. Right. Um, and even in public. And there was people around. And I was like, nobody knows that this is a group of trafficked women, um, a lot of which, you know, we kind of heard some of the stories about what why they were there and they ha- that they have children in other countries. Mm. We don't know the full, the full reasoning of forced fraud and coercion that happened, but it was not – um, anyway, it, it was just such an interesting situation. I actually yeah. got a picture of that trafficker. I pretended to take a selfie of myself. I switched my camera around still sh- do not suggest these things. <laughs> right. Um, but it was just such an, a crazy thing to see Like this is real organized crime right. happening in front of all of us, right on the, right on the feeder of 59 yeah. down the street from my Baptist college.
1: Yeah. It was yeah. wild. Yeah. So, um, We've seen a lot of success in this work, and you coming on board um, really took Elijah Rising to the next level. I think in terms of intervention, and you really brought some organization to the intervention, and some vision and some strategy. So let's talk about just like specifics, real quick. Yes. How exactly does uh, the illicit massage business work? Like, okay. If, if a consumer shows up, pulls up in the parking lot, you've kind of talked about this a little bit mm-hmm. in your story, but they walk in, what do they see? Yeah, what does yeah. it look like? And how are the women um, managed?
0: Yeah, and it's, uh, so what we mainly see, and a lot of you listening, if you have any background and understanding this, or just you're a, a aware person in your community, you might have already seen it. So you have a storefront usually in a easily rentable space. So those little office parks, like even the internal office park buildings, those little strip malls of where there's lots of little places. I don't know if strip mall is the right term, um, but where places are being rented out, doctor's offices, massage parlors, things like this. So then they usually have some sort of open sign and maybe the only information is a phone number. Now, they have gotten more complex and they have looked more real. We've seen them as readers reflexology massage part or foot yeah. reflexology clinics we've seen them as chiropractic offices yeah. different things like that especially to get around some licensing but um but the more common stereotypical and what we see a lot is like a phone number and a door um and sometimes you walk up to the door you try to open it if you're not a male the door is magnetically locked from the inside right. um or buzzed open and even during like um we're in the middle of a global pandemic quarantines happening right now they have been remain they have remained open this entire time with just their open sign off customers call they go and open the door for them right. when they enter which is completely unsafe yeah. but they are really don't they don't care about the safety of the women that they're trafficking but so you walk in there's usually a small lobby Not always, but sometimes there's an ATM. If there's an ATM in the lobby, that's like, this is absolutely a brothel. (laughs) Like, this is an illicit massage business. Absolutely. Um, And then there's some kind of window or door that leads to the rest of the place. That is where they're negotiating, where they're seeing who the person is. Um, It's also, like, I think a stop measure. If Mm -hmm. there are any type of undercover police officers, things like that that come in where they can kind of create a barrier for the rest of the place so they can change, do some things. Right. And then once they get to the window, a customer will either say, I've seen it a couple different ways. Sometimes they say, I want, you know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour. And those are all different sex acts. Um, Then they will pick a woman, whoever's there, take them back to the room and negotiate either. Sometimes they'll they'll do a massage and then negotiate a sex act there. Um, And then even further, many of the men will expect to negotiate a no condom deal. Um, and on, online on the forums, they usually share that information. It's around usually 15 to 15 to 50 bucks to include a no condom experience, which if you're meeting a quota for a trafficker, you know, um, maybe
1: maybe you take that risk to make more money.
0: Absolutely. And then that's it. That's how it it, it works. And some of the women I've seen, I've been inside of some of these, um, illicit massage businesses or brothels and where you see that they're sleeping in the back room, you see suitcases, um, or you there's some where you see them being transported throughout the day. Neighbors will say, I see them coming and going, even as so much as doing out calls.
1: Yeah. Okay, well, we're going to take a break in the podcast at this point. When we come back, we're just going to keep uh, discussing um, kind of the way that we do intervention and some more stories um, about um, the illicit massage businesses. So... See you in a minute. Hey,
0: everybody. I hope you're enjoying today's episode of the Elijah Rising podcast. Right now, I'm standing in the Elijah Rising store that sells goods that empower survivors of sex trafficking. All the items in the shop, the purchases, support the employment, as well as the restoration of women that are in our program. So please come visit us at 11th and Studewood or online at shop.elijahrising.org. And today, on your first purchase, we're going to offer you $10 off if you shop online using code PODCAST.
1: Hey, welcome back to the Elijah Rising podcast. Um, so we're talking about the illicit massage business trade uh, and the way that sex trafficking plays out um, in that business model in particular. And so we've really discussed the ins and outs, how it works, how it functions, how you first started getting into this work. But let's talk about solutions, though. Let's talk yes. about how we, um, how the average. You okay? Earlier, you said. I realize that this is a way for the church to get involved. I realize that this is a way for people to make a difference, to do something active. So what does that look like? If somebody's listening, if somebody's watching this saying, hey, man, I want to make a difference in this specific way that trafficking is taking place. What do they do, Sam?
0: How? It's a hard question. No, <laughs> no, it's an important question because it's a very complex even yeah. it's, it's kind of like, I, I can't remember who said it, it's Einstein's. like the more that you find out, the more that your circumference of knowledge goes, the more that you see that you know so little. Don't know anything. Um, yeah. And yeah. really unpeeling back the layers of this thing, realizing when Backpage still existed, we right. would even see that some places were posting for five different locations, and you understand that there's a web of connectivity. There's a lot of moving pieces for the way that at the end of the day, it's organized crime. But... There have been very many effective ways that we've addressed this issue, um, and we cannot... I must stress we cannot just address it in one realm and in one way right. because we need to surround the issue specifically with illicit massage businesses. So one thing that we that we found very simple, very effective, um, is to use landowners. All of these places mm-hmm. are being leased out. And so if landowners, if realtors, commercial property managers would have a zero tolerance policy for places that were selling sex in almost all all of them, almost all of them are connected with sex trafficking right. would just kick them out. You have the right within, um, lease law to cut the lease. If they're operating in the legal business, um, on your property, especially if it's like a residential property that yeah. happens in rental homes as well.
1: Yeah. So that whole area that we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, that what we used to call the 5806 area where there are 10 brothels, three blocks, how many brothels are still operating? One. Uh huh. And so how did that happen? Well,
0: a lot lot of things, a lot of things, but operating with landowners, praying and just like literally embracing the kingdom of God and releasing it into a region, which takes time. Um, But connecting with landowners, connecting with the community, community outcry is so important. So critical. So important. If you, I mean, have you ever met an angry mother that wants a stop sign on her street corner? Like... It's a beautiful thing what you can accomplish with some voices, loud voices, passionate voices. So you and your community can say, this place is selling sex. We can tell. Here's the reasons. And Elijah Rising has assisted many people in gathering that evidence to take to their local communities, their HOAs, whatever that means, whoever is in your area. And you can get it shut down that way. um, But – and people say, well, it's just going to pop up somewhere else – but it's making it more difficult. And yeah. so if all of our communities, we can power all the communities of all sides to stand up and say, not here, it's not going to happen. Right. Um, it's it's a good way that we can do that. Then we also have um, an amazing program coming out of Love People, Not Pixels called How to Shut Down a Brothel, yeah. which... You know, I'm just kind of throwing out information at you. They're giving you a step by step guide, partnership, um, and even their expertise and their voice in getting that done.
1: Yeah, episode two of the Elijah Rising podcast is an interview with Joe Madison, the director of Love People Not Pixels, and he talks more about how to shut down a brothel there. But you can also just visit their website and find out more about it. Um, so, just a little plug for them. We love you guys. We love you, Joe. Um, yeah, and they they really are they are shutting down brothels at the like the legislative level, the, the community level, the city council level, wherever, mm-hmm. whoever has the power to, to influence yes. that.
0: And he started by taking Elijah Rising Vantor and he got aware. But the most important thing that you must do is. Uh, when people see how easily it is to access women who've been trafficked, like they're right there, they're not hidden, they're not locked mm-hmm. away, there tends to be a lot of judgment of women who've been trafficked. They say, well, why don't they just leave? They obviously aren't that in that bad of shape. You know, it's not that bad of a situation if they're not, um, you know, desperate to get out or why don't, why don't Elijah Rising, why don't we just get them out and take yeah, them? Just
1: take them if we know where they are.
0: And that is something that I had to walk through. I found myself frustrated. I found myself hopeless, feeling like I see these women week after week and I don't know how to leave. There's a huge, obviously, cultural barrier for me personally because most of the women that we're seeing speak um, Mandarin. Mm
1: -hmm. They're speaking
0: Korean or Thai. And you know I can't connect. I mean, I might be able to say a few words, but I really can't connect culturally and with with language. But what I realized was that Looking, even looking at the Gospels and the way that the Lord loves people, that I encountered this need of like, rescue culture sometimes is about us being okay. Mm-hmm. Um, getting some, when you see a problem that you're not connected to the human suffering and the reality of that problem, yeah. you want to solve that problem. But these are people, these are humans, and these are complex issues. And just because of money, influence, And effort, we can't just walk in and decide that we're gonna end a global and like complicated issue in a moment. Um, But we can sow in the most precious thing, which is our love, our compassion, and our empathy. And I think we really, especially people who are Christians, when you spend these time, you know, we had these coffee, you know, these coffees and these moments, mm-hmm. we got to experience really what sharing in the suffering of the Lord. Going home every night and knowing that she was still being trafficked, and do I want to go back and face again the hardship of what she was going through? Not that it's even that big of a deal for me, but it was still painful. Right. Um, and that going back and that going back and the reality, like actually facing and processing the reality of human pain in the midst of. A good God. It's yeah. a difficult, it's a difficult thing, but I've seen it be done so well. Um, Jen Fisher, she's one of our amazing, amazing, Absolutely. amazing volunteers. Um, and I almost feel weird calling her a volunteer. She's an abolitionist. She's a leader in the movement. She she she's amazing yeah. who speaks Mandarin. Mm-hmm. And we have videos of her in the middle of these, um, illicit massage businesses, just like, yeah, Is that coming up on the thing?
1: Wait. Really. Okay. It makes me want to get an ice cream. Bro. I
0: know. I'm like, can we chase that out? No.
1: <laughs> Jen Fisher.
0: Ready? Yeah. Break. We have these videos of her inside of illicit massage businesses in the back, actually leading Bible study. And there's this one video we can't share because we want to protect the identity of this woman, but where this woman's reading. Um, first John in Mandarin Mm -hmm. and she's experiencing the truth of the gospel she hasn't left that situation but she's hearing about the love of God from someone who loves her sharing a meal on break in between being trafficked um and i can't really get into how we're able to do that you know we're yeah. not just, it's we've been able to build relationships with some traffickers tolerate our volunteers yeah. because we're not posing any threat danger you know we go as a blessing when we go um to anyone we act kind and nice to yeah, anyone I've,
1: I've been in some of these establishments with jen on intervention and because she speaks mandarin and fluently, excellently, she's always complimented on, like, your Mandarin is so amazing. They'll, they will tell her, like, whoa. Um, she's able to connect at this personal level. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if, one way that you can get involved is if you speak Mandarin, Thai, Korean, Korean we need you. We um, desperately we, need we you. Want, we want your help. Um, but, you know, one thing that stands out to me about that is she, it's she sees individual human beings – in those brothels. I think it's so easy sometimes for us in this work, and especially for us who are on staff. I mean, we, we are faced with this every single day. But even for some people who might just be casual observers of the, of the work to end trafficking, or, you know, just maybe you've not been on intervention yet or you care about the issue, but, you know, you're just at a different uh, exposure level, is I think the conversation, because we keep having it, can easily make us think that we just overgeneralize the population. We overgeneralize all those who are being trafficked as just those people who are being trafficked. but. Time and time again, I'm reminded, and you're reminding me of this right now, Sam, time and time again, I'm reminded like, no, these are individual human beings, each very uniquely made in the image of God with their own backstory, their own circumstances, their own trauma, their, yeah. their own history, their own past, their own hopes, their own futures. Their own culture their own and culture, their own background. It's just so like... And so I just want to reiterate here again that it's like what we're talking about is a big global issue. It is it is a a, a macro issue but where the real breakthrough happens is in the micro one-on-one relationships that you're talking about, taking hot coffee and sitting on a couch with an individual woman and maybe only knowing two words in her heart language and just trying to connect.
0: Yeah. And, and we've been critiqued. Um, I've done trainings because my whole bit was like, I need the church to leave the church and be inside of strip clubs, brothels, um, and other illicit places. Right. Like Jesus, you know, you're like Jesus. Um, and not everybody's called to that. I yeah. get it. Some people are are faithful givers. Some people are are this way that way. Like I don't judge anybody has a role. To play. Yeah, and I used yeah. to be like, oh my god, everybody, but realizing that we're all parts of the body, right? Right. Um, and people critique. They said, well, if you're just going to go and if I'm just supposed to go and talk to this woman, like I'm not ending sex trafficking. And there's some there's some important place of hunger left in that person who wants justice because we have to burn the candle at both ends. We have to address the macro issues of sex trafficking legislation, the underlying issues of long-term misogyny, racism, poverty, um awareness, those things, and then we have to go after the one like Christ. Mm-hmm. And we have to pray to God that He brings down the principalities and structures and brings the kingdom and revival to send the the people. So this issue we we never want to overgeneralize it. You're absolutely right to say like well this is the solution, this is the thing, this right. is the this is the only piece. But instead be like, Who are you? Yeah. Who are you? Who are you in the body of Christ with your giftings, with your specific like I think that harassment is a spiritual gift for some of the people that go and advocate for these bills and they call their representatives and they call their local authorities yeah, right, they right. call the churches they say we need to talk about that is a spiritual gift like god bless you for yeah. you being like cry aloud, spare not like mm-hmm. that is important. Um, and then there's people who are so pastor like who are each of us in the face of this evil? And right. I think that's how we address it. And so that's kind of a big issue, not really focusing on how sex trafficking works, but well, it's- but it's,
1: it's the solution question, right? I mean, it's like, this is how it's ended. It's ended at big scale levels, but also at one human face life being one person at a time. Exits only occur one person at a time. Right. Yeah. It's only one phone call at a time, one, one, you know, transportation at a time. Mm-hmm. And so it's so critical to just remember that what we do on intervention, the reason why we do intervention is to make that relational connection, um, and to mm-hmm. say, Hey, do you need help? Yeah. And can I pray for you?
0: Yeah. And to learn, and we're learning all the time We're you know, I, I, did a lot of intervention in the beginning, but honestly I tell every intervention leader who really rises up and I see like, man, you're really good at this or you're really gifted. Mm-hmm. I say, look, take my rule book and throw it out other than like the safety, the really important safety <laughs> yeah, things, yeah, yeah. the legal things of like, this is how we do this, this and this. But other than that, like the way that we go in, the way that we talk, because we're always learning. For example, like we used to take like little scriptures into mm-hmm. the, um, massage part or illicit massage business. Um, that had the letter, the number four in them. Mm-hmm. And we realized that the four and Mandarin characters means death. And that was literally, and we had little black gift bags, which that yeah. color meant death. And so it was no cultural understanding. Yeah. So, I mean. Now we, we take we, a lot
1: of red with we us. We take a lot of
0: red. Good luck. <laughs> we never used the letter four. And we, right. we take, we, we listen to people who understand uh, their culture, their yeah. background, and and let them, in, as much as possible, find people who understand and let them take the lead. Because, yeah, we, there's a lot we could say there, but yeah. it's just important to like, always be like, Lord, how can we make it better? How can we do this more efficiently with that? Like attention to the one, yeah. um, because the sex industry is constantly changing, is constantly evolving and we have to be flexible, movable. Yeah. Um, and that's why I think it's going to keep our ministry going as far as the outreach, the intervention, the ground level frontline work that we're known for.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Um, So if you're looking for a way to get involved, if you've been impacted by this episode uh, or by other episodes, um, I'm just, I'm feeling that I should just recommend um, take a van tour. We are currently recording in the midst of a global pandemic and van tours aren't operating at this moment of recording, but you might be listening in six months from now and a year from now. um, And at that point, hopefully we will have van tours operating and intervention operating normally again. So I want to encourage you to take a van to an awareness van tour through Elijah rising uh, through our website and go on the website and sign up for one because it's going to continue this conversation and you'll see, uh, maybe in your own neighborhood what this looks like and, and where it's occurring um, and get a little bit more education and awareness about the issue as mm-hmm. a whole. Mm-hmm. And then also intervention, like join us for outreach. Um, and you can go to the website to sign up for that as well. We do intervention and outreach all over the city. The every greater, Friday. Every Friday night, uh, all over the greater Houston area in different places. So join us. Also, I want to mention the Museum of Modern Day Slavery. There's a whole, uh, a couple of installments actually about how, um, this specific, uh, model works, uh, with the illicit massage businesses and some of the history, um, of the locations Sam has been discussing. We have, yeah, there's their pictures stories.
0: inside that I took while doing, you know, afterwards yeah. when those places were raided. Um,
1: yeah. So visit the museum. Um, and then also i just point you to our website. <laughs> you want to say one more thing? I just wanted to say, that's
0: a really great shirt that you're wearing.
1: What does it it say? It says, strong men support strong women. I'm really excited about this shirt. I I put this shirt on and I said, I think this might be my new favorite (laughs) t-shirt. And so if you're just listening to the podcast, you should definitely go to YouTube and check it out because you can see it. There it is. And...
0: You can buy it today at shop.elijahrising.org.
1: There it is. Um, yeah, visit our store. Um, visit online. Buy online. Uh, also candles, etc. All sorts of good yeah. stuff.
0: We have lots of great stuff. Just know that our goods are made by women, but for all. We have great men's products, dad products, friend products, mom products, everything. Yeah. Yeah. Kids products. We have kids teas.
1: All sorts of good stuff. Yeah. So To
0: support the employment of women who've survived human trafficking.
1: Yeah. So, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Follow us on social media. Share. Subscribe to the podcast. uh, And send us your feedback. What do you want to know? What do you want us to talk about? Uh, Who do you want to see on the podcast? What questions do you have? Comment. Let us know. Give us feedback. Follow us on social media. Do all the things. We love you. Thanks for listening and watching. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Elijah Rising Podcast.